Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The next great political football, maybe the largest one we've seen, well, maybe since COVID, so it hasn't been that long, will be the answer and the semantics to the following question. Are we in a recession in the United States in 2022 or not? We're here to answer that question today. Are we in a recession or not? And why it should or shouldn't matter when it comes to your retire sooner planning. I'm Wes Moss. The prevailing thought in America is that you'll never have enough money and it's almost impossible to retire early. Actually, I think the opposite is true. For more than 20 years, I've been researching, studying, and advising American families, including those who started late, on how to retire sooner and happier. So my mission with the Retire Sooner podcast is to help a million people retire earlier while enjoying the adventure along the way. I'd love for you to be one of them. Let's get started. Had a couple of weeks in the north of the north, as we call it, really northern Michigan. My wife is from Michigan. Her whole family is still in Michigan. They have sailboats, so they're always on some lake that then leads into the big, they call it the big lake, which is like Michigan. And for many, many years, we've been going up there in search of cooler weather. And a couple of years ago, we went way north where we typically go, not the upper peninsula of Michigan, but towards the top above Traverse City on the water. And you can actually find colder, cooler weather even in July. I'm looking on my phone and I'm looking back to what Atlanta weather is and Texas and California. I think at the time, the United Kingdom had forest fires and still over 100 degrees, at least Fahrenheit. And we're sitting here enjoying the 72 degree weather with low humidity. So it really was a blessing. We did find cooler weather. But back in Atlanta, that was wonderful back in town, back to the real world. While I was there, my weather app, my WSB, which is my Atlanta radio station, WSB weather app kept dinging every day. It would be, there has been lightning detected near you. There is a thunderstorm near you. And it wasn't near me because I was way up in Michigan. It was Atlanta. So I, I was, it made me enjoy the, the cooler weather even more. But when you get back, you do all those things like catch up and laundry and go back to the dry cleaner. And I'm in the dry cleaning line. This, this is the Thursday. And depending on when you're listening to this, the very end of July, as we're headed into August, the, end, the, the Bureau of Economic Analysis comes out and says, quarter two, second quarter, GDP, gross domestic product, all the, the total of all goods and services in the United States, negative. Well, wait a minute. We negative Q2 and we were negative Q1. What does that mean? Well, here's what happened. I'm in the line for the dry cleaner because nothing, and this may be the first time I've seen a line at my dry cleaner in ever. We're talking 15 years. I have never waited for more than one car. And, and there was a, one of the quick drives. But remember, we're in the 1950s economy, meaning that everything takes a long time now. I still have a leak in my kitchen sink because they need a part that they haven't been able to get for six months. I still have a grill that uh, area that is wilted and dilapidated, and I've been trying to get it renovated for eight months now, and it's still 
hasn't happened. I still don't have my light switches that were supposed to be, oh, two weeks, three weeks, three months, a year later, still not done. We are in a 1950s economy. It used to be that three years ago in the United States, pre-COVID, five years ago, let's say, pre-COVID, you go out, want a car. Hey, honey, let's go buy a car this weekend. Let's look at online and see where the good cars are and for the good prices. And we're going to go in Atlanta, Peachtree Industrial Boulevard, and there's every car dealership imaginable. The lots are full, plenty to choose from. Want a SUV? Well, pick a color. Pick a font or pick a vision style. Leather, not leather. And you, which one should we get? Today, it doesn't work like that anymore. Now it's like, okay, well, in six months, maybe we can get you a one of these and it's going to be this color and it's going to be this inside. It takes time now. It's the 1950s version. And these are happy days. And we all have smartphones and we're more efficient than ever. And there's still everything at our fingertips. But when it comes to consumption of goods and services, it's just not the way it used to be. So here I am in line. Now I'm waiting or we're waiting at restaurants, or we're waiting for plumbing, we're waiting to get a call back from tech support, we're waiting, we're waiting for a doctor's appointment, we're waiting to get an appointment to change our oil, we're waiting. I'm in, in Michigan, I thought, wow, I haven't had a haircut for a couple months. Went into a local, I think it was a Van Michaels, and I walked by and said, hey, can I get a haircut? Sure. Uh, August 22nd? It, it was, I was like, what's well, early? It's July 4th weekend. Well, it's two months out. We're in the 1950s economy. We're waiting. So I'm waiting in the dry cleaner line. And I get a ding, ding on my phone. And it's a, a Fox News. And I follow Fox News and CNN and Bloomberg and CNBC. Fox News, alert, ding, U.S. in recession. Second quarter, GDP, negative. It's two consecutive quarters, recession. Then about nine seconds later, I get a ding from CNBC, and CNBC says, U.S. contracts for second straight quarter, stoking fears of possible recession. Well, wait a minute. Fox has said a recession. CNBC said possible recession. What's happening here? Now, while I'm in my car, and this is not the 1950s economy because you couldn't do this back in happy days, but I do on my phone, like I shouldn't do in my car, tune into CNBC on my YouTube TV so maybe it's not quite the 1950s economy, but I'm watching CNBC and Steve Leisman, who, by the way, I really like on CNBC, and I've watched him for over 20 years. They call him the professor. He's the guy that talks about the economy, he talks about economics. And they're bantering back and forth, and the main host, Joe Kernan, says, Steve, so wait a minute, we're down two quarters in a row, but you're saying we're not in recession? He says, well, technically we're not in recession, because it's the NBER, the National Bureau of Economic Research, that has to give us the, the final analysis. They're the ones that make the call. His host counterpart says, wait a minute. So now you're changing the rules on recession? Two quarters negative isn't enough? To which Steve answers, well, it needs to be, from what I remember in economic school, a recession needs to be pervasive, pronounced, and prolonged. And then he said, quote, people... People, you, the people, should use the NBER's own criteria to figure it out for themselves. What? For those of you listening, A, how many have heard of the NBER? And B, do you know what their actual criteria is for a recession? And I would venture to guess that no one listening does because I don't even think the NBER does because they are a shadowy group of economists. Of course, they're Ivy Leaguers because they're from Cambridge, Massachusetts, and they sit around in a library 
with a crackling fire, even in the middle of the summer with tweed jackets and bow ties, drinking bourbon with old books, musty, with a little bit of dust on the wall, sitting around contemplating whether the United States is in a recession or not. They're PhDs, they study economics, they're mathematicians, and they've got this black box formula that also depends, it's a formula, it's a formula, but it also depends on their own personal opinion. Hey, I think we're in a recession. I don't know. Let's have another bourbon and decide. How are the American people going to then take their criteria and figure it, figure it out for themselves? Every period since 1948, let's go back not almost 100 years, two consecutive negative quarters of GDP, that's coincided with recession. But according to CNBC, it might not happen this time. Well, what are the criteria for the NBER? Supposedly, here's how they decide. They focus on five different areas. Real personal income, less transfers, non-farm payroll, employment, and unemployment is measured by the household survey, real personal consumption expenditures, wholesale and retail sales, and then industrial production. Here's maybe the most important word in all of these economic indicators, real. Real just means inflation adjusted. So real personal income, whether it grows or not, is less important than what it does relative to inflation. So if inflation runs at 10% and your wages only grew 5%, then you would have negative real personal income growth. Now, if you look at the math, it's a complicated formula, but over the past year, we have seen a little bit of real wage growth in the United States. It's right at about 1%, meaning that on average, wages have risen 1% more than inflation has risen. Now, I will say that's a little hard to believe. If you look at inflation, you think about your own experience and you think about gasoline going from $2.50 to 5 bucks. did it feel like your wages kept up with that? Probably not. Well, certainly not with energy because we know that energy, energy prices are up from 40% to over 100%. Does it really feel like your wages have caught up with the price of cars that were up 25, 35%? Does it feel like your wages have caught up or kept up is the better word, kept up with the price of housing that's, just, that's skyrocketed over the last two and a half years? But over the past year, if you're looking at least the data that they look at, Maybe the NBER says, well, we do have a little bit of real personal income growth. We have a solid jobs market. That's their number two criteria, non-farm payroll and the household survey, which is another measure of jobs. From that perspective, maybe the NBER sitting around in the library says, maybe we're not recession. Now, I think it's a little humorous that for almost a century, Americans know that a recession means the economy goes down for two straight quarters. But on television in this past week, you've seen people like Janet Yellen and other non-government officials arguing about whether we're in a recession or not. Now, can you imagine what this is going to do to the political season? I have a feeling, and maybe this is just a guess, that one side is going to dig their heels in and say, we're in recession. And I have a feeling that the other side is going to say, well, wait a minute. No, 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 no. We're not in a recession. Imagine the political football that this is this has created. And I think we're going to continue to hear this debate for now many, many months, probably all the way up into the midterm elections. Are we in a recession? Are we not? The word that I've been using for the last couple of months 
maybe not here on the podcast, but on radio, when I do live radio, is that we are in a very mild or jobs plentiful recession, meaning that we have two negative quarters and maybe the third quarter will be negative. But the strength in the job market has alleviated a lot of the normal pressures that we feel in recessions that are typically very scary. Yes, you can argue that inflation is scary and everything's so much more expensive, that's scary. But here's another old school way to look at whether we're in a recession or not. Maybe it's an old colloquial way to look at it if you're an economist. If you have a job and your neighbor has a job, then the economy's good. If your neighbor loses their job, the economy's not so good. If your neighbor loses their job and you lose your job, now we're in recession. But as amusing as this debate has been for me, getting two separate phone notices that said something different within about nine seconds and loving to understand and figure out the economy and studying economics, to me, as fun as this whole debate is, and as much as we're going to hear about it, I don't think it matters for you. I don't think it matters to the Retire Sooner audience because... We're always going into recession. It's not a matter of if, it's always a matter of when. So whether one camp says we're in one and another camp says we're not in one, it doesn't matter. Your long-term retirement plan shouldn't depend on what anybody else labels the economy, good or bad, at any given time. Because our Retire Sooner audience understands that we all have our own goals and we've got to define those goals and then have an investment strategy to meet them and meet our income needs long-term in a long, happy retirement. And then two, we've got to be confident in that strategy to achieve those goals. We have some sort of investment style. We talk about income investing here on the Retire Sooner podcast, but we've got to have some sort of way that we're going to invest our money to help us reach those goals. And then three, we need to be able to execute on that plan, invest towards those goals, knowing that over time, we're going to have both good economies and we're going to have bad economies that are going to then eventually return to good economies or good economic environments. Nothing surprises me anymore in politics. Probably nothing surprises you anymore in politics. But it does sound like a very dangerous arrow in the quiver for politicians to now argue the definition of recession, even though we've used it for almost 100 years. Because a group of a couple guys up in Massachusetts says, well, maybe it's not a recession just yet. There's no wonder politicians have the lowest approval or job approval and trust of any profession I think there is in America. But we also remember and understand is that we're not relying on them. We're relying on ourselves and we're relying on free market capitalism as long as we have it. And as long as we do have that, we have this economy, markets will generally do well over time. Remember, we're tomorrow investors. Tomorrow is either A, good or B, great or C, all the above. And then if we return to those times of economic prosperity, or when we do, that gets to flow through to earnings, which means the stock market should help you outpace inflation and help protect your purchasing power for years to come. Hey, y'all, it's Mallory Boggs, the producer for the Retire Sooner podcast. From an investment standpoint, the world is changing. We've gone from no inflation to hyperinflation, zero interest rates to much higher interest rates. All of this changes the dynamics for stocks and bonds. So the question for you, are your retirement accounts ready for it? Have you adapted your investments for these major shifts? Do you know what kind of income your 401k account is gonna pay you in retirement? If not, maybe it's time for a new perspective. The Retire Sooner team is here to help. 
If you're ready to talk, reach out to our team and we'll help you take a closer look at how you can generate income in retirement and protect yourself from inflation. We'd love to hear from you. Again, find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S dot com. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Now, in the real world, how are we going to outpace inflation? What are you going to do to do that? Which brings me back to one of my favorite charts of all time. We first published this in an article called The Power of Investing in Dividends. And if you can't find the article, you can go to westmoss.com, hit the contact button, email the Retire Sooner team, and we'll send you links. By the way, anything we talk about here, if we've written about it and you can't find it, you can always email me and the team, and we'll send you out those links. You can find that contact page right on the homepage at westmoss.com. But if there's ever a chart to remember, it's this one that I'm about to describe. And it's not a moonshot stock scenario. It's not a stock that went from a dollar to a hundred bucks. Instead, it's the story of an, un, I would call this an unassuming force of nature when it comes to the investment world. That if you have the patience for, can create a rising source of income for a lifetime. And that's the story of stock dividends, which have proven to grow at twice the rate of inflation over the better part of market history. So the study I'm talking about here and the chart I'm talking about here compares the income you receive or have received from 1980 until today. We, we did the study all the way through the second quarter of 2022. So dividends from stocks and then income or interest that comes from bonds, comparing those two. Dividends, the red line on the chart, interest, the blue line in the chart, what's in between is white. So we get this beautiful red, white, and blue chart. And I think the reason I like it so much, it kind of reminds me of an American flag. So here's the study. We start with $10,000 and we look at what that pays you if you started in all stocks in the S&P 500 versus the overall or aggregate bond index. And you started in 1980 and you started with $10,000. And in each case, the investor left the principal alone and just took all the income, living on the income, each year to spend. And again, if you're looking at a visual here, and again, if you were looking at this chart, you'd see the red line represents stock dividends, and it slowly and methodically grows, and the bars in the chart get higher and higher, for the most part, from 1980 until today. The blue line, which represents bond interest starting 1980, started out really high because we had high interest rates back in 1980, has slowly declined over the last 40 plus years. Until, of course, this year, 2022, the blue line started to go up because interest rates have started to move higher. So the very first year, you have $10,000. You want to make a decision between, oh, do I get stock dividends or do I get bond interest? Well, let's say you decided to start with stock dividends. $10,000 in the SP 500 back then paid a dividend of about 529 bucks. Back then it was about 5.3% on that initial investment. Almost 43 years later, the dividend income 
or the red line in the chart climbed to f- over $5,800. Now, this is a long period of time. This didn't happen overnight. This is four plus decades. But that's a near 58% current yield on the original $10,000 investment. We also call that yield at cost, or you could call it yield on your original cost. So the first year, you're getting $529. Bucks, and you just took the income. You left your $10,000 alone. But because that also grew over time and dividends grew over time, now today, 43 years later, let's say in retirement, $5,800. So it shows that income from stock dividends grew at about 6% per year. Inflation during that same period of time grew a little over 3% per year. So dividends increased about double the rate of inflation. Talk about protecting your purchasing power. But don't forget that the corpus grew as well. So even though you were taking your income every year, your $10,000 grew to a little more than $350,000. So if you look at this on a price-only return, which excludes the dividend income, that clocks in at about 9% a year. You add another about 3% per year for dividends, now you're talking about 12% per year. Now, if you didn't need any of the income and you just left everything to reinvest, 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 that $10,000 grew to a, a little more than a million dollars 43 years later. Now, what about the blue line in the chart, the bond interest? Back in 1980, interest rates were really high, not anything like we're seeing today with interest rates in the 2 and 3% range. But back in 1980, you were getting about 11% return from the overall aggregate bond market. So if you invested that $10,000 back then in 1980, you would have gotten about 11% starting that first year. So about 1100 bucks on your $10,000. But if you look at what happened over time, the aggregate bond index from a price perspective, that $10,000 you started with, it only grew to about $14,500 in 2022. And it only paid you about 288 bucks in 2022 which is where interest rates were starting at the beginning of this year, 2022, times the 14.5 that it had grown to. It's called 288 bucks. Or about 28 2.9% on your original $10,000 investment. So what's the verdict? And you know where we're headed here. Stock dividend income wins against bond income by an incredibly large margin. Again, stock dividends grew from getting paid about 500 bucks to almost $6,000. Bond interest went down. Annual stock dividend increased more than tenfold. And oh, by the way, the remaining price only, price only return grew 35-fold. Bonds, on the other hand, rose less than 2x during that period of time and had a 74% reduction in income. Remember, we started out with over 11%. And the rates essentially went to zero. Now they're back up to 2 to 3%. So it doesn't matter if you have $500,000 or $5 million or $50 million in your retirement portfolio. It's hard to find a more consistent source of growing income to outpace inflation, along with the potential for a dramatic increase in your underlying principal. Again, even if you're taking your income from stock dividends, taking your stock dividend income and spending it, your $10,000 still grew to over 350000 That's a 35X value of your investment and 10X your annual income. Now, we can also look at this on a cumulative basis. So what did we pull in 
from 1980 through mid-year 2022. And the study shows that cumulatively, you got paid about, from bonds, you got paid about $31,000, $31,625 to be exact, in bond interest. But you received from stock dividends over $93,000 in stock dividends. So from a current income standpoint, by 2022, stock dividends were more than 20 times that of bond interest. $5,800 versus $288. Now, I also want you to think I'm totally poo-pooing bonds because I think they play a really important role. Yes, we get a little bit of interest from bonds and we get a ballast from bonds for the most part. Now, 2022, bond prices have gone down as well. So this year is an exception. But for the most part in economic history, bonds are much, much more stable than owning stocks. So the combination of them is important. And I, and I think that owning bonds, at least in some percentage, allows you, for most people, not everyone, some people have unlimited risk tolerance and they're totally fine with the market going up and down for But for a lot of retirees, once you've stopped earning income, you get that much more nervous about fluctuations in your portfolio. So you want to have some things that are stable and some things that have the potential to grow more quickly, which again, that's, that's the stock category. And it's almost as though bonds give you a little bit of a safety helmet in order to be able to invest in stocks. There's only so fast I would go down a hill if I'm snowboarding, if I'm not wearing a helmet. But if I'm wearing a helmet, I feel a little bit better barreling down the hill. Now, maybe barreling down the hill is not a great analogy when we're coming to investments, but when we're talking about investments. But this thought around the protection, and maybe it's your emotional protection, your overall portfolio doesn't move nearly as much as the overall stock market if you also own something less volatile like bonds, or that's even counter-cyclical like bonds. Some of the unique properties that go along with investing in bonds and fixed income, I think will help people, particularly those going into retirement, be able to take on the risk and the volatility that comes along with stocks. And that's the tough part. But the good part is that that's really where we get our income growth. And of course, our capital growth or capital appreciation over long periods of time. Now, here's the other thought. It, anytime I hear anybody talk about a really long investment track or study, I always think, well, th thanks for the info. It was great. You did it for the last the 43 years. Great. In, in retrospect, easy to talk about, easy to discuss the last 43 years. But is it really, haven't I missed the boat? And I think not really. If you're 30 or you're 40 or 50, don't you have three or four more decades left to invest? Five decades? So contrary to your brain saying, it's just too late for all this. Remember that you have more years of spending ahead of you than you might think. Think in decades, not years. Now, if we were to take this one step further, imagine if you had an entire portfolio that was stocks that were perennial dividend payers, perennial dividend growers. Couple that with a variety of different sources that provide income, a variety of bonds that pay interest real estate investment trusts or pipeline companies that pay out distributions. And then you put that all together in what I like to see a balanced overall income portfolio that gives you some growth and some income. To me, that's the answer for so many retirees and early retirees. Now, 
It's not nearly as interesting of a story as the 31-year-old and their entire family and four kids that invested a few thousand dollars in Bitcoin and now live all over the world sailing and having fun because their Bitcoin went from a dollar to millions of dollars. Not nearly as exciting and sexy as that story. But successful investing is rarely exciting. Think about when you can turn on the sink, you turn it on as light as you can turn it on, but it's still a constant stream. So it's not drop, 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 but it's just the, the thinnest stream of water you can get out of the kitchen sink. It may not seem like a lot. You leave that sink running on a Monday, you come back Friday, you get the whole floors flooded way beyond the sink. And I think that's this power of being able to leave the faucet on when it comes to dividends and leave it on for a long period of time and allow that to compound on itself. Maybe that's the right visual or a powerful visual to think about dividend investing and the power of a little bit of a stream goes a very, very long way. Hey y'all, this is Mallory with the Retire Sooner team. Please be sure to rate and subscribe to this podcast and share it with a friend. If you have any questions, you can find us at westmoss.com. That's W-E-S-M-O-S-S.com. You can also follow us on Instagram and YouTube. You'll find us under the handle Retire Sooner Podcast. And now for our show's disclosure. This podcast is provided to you as a resource for informational purposes only and is not to be viewed as investment advice or recommendations. This information is being presented without consideration of the investment objectives, risk tolerance, or financial circumstances of any specific investor and might not be suitable for all investors. It is not intended to and should not form a primary basis for any investment decision that you may make. Always consult your own legal, tax, or investment advisor before making any investment or financial planning considerations. Please refer to the full disclosure in the podcast description for any additional information information.